0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida, and Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Windham, Maine. Cody, first off, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter?
1: Charlie, I'm doing well. Just wrapped up talking about yet another series win for the Boston Red Sox, so that's very exciting. Uh, Everybody can find me on Twitter at Paulson. Let's have a conversation. Terry, how are you doing tonight?
2: I am doing really good, except I'm a little bit congested for some reason. And uh, highly uh, dependent on cough drops. But going to do some hot takes, as I just said off the air uh, a minute ago. uh, The Hot Take Tuesday, our last one, was our highest downloaded episode in quite some time. Not that the rest of them haven't been crushing it, because this month we blew past our all-time high of 35,000 downloads, and uh, we topped out at uh, 38.5 thousand. So maybe this is the week we hit that 40 barrier that uh, I always thought we could hit, and and possibly beyond. Uh, So... It's been uh it's been a good season for the downloads the audience has been highly engaged and uh we're crushing it so hey Terry
0: before we begin where can the fans find you on
2: Twitter at Cushman MLB excellent why don't you lead us off with the first hot take oh I'm prepared I'm having a Jaron Duran moment uh in the no outfield with the uh I can grab it really I, quick I, here I, no I, I know, got what? it we got, you got it. it? Okay. Yeah. So this comes from uh, Red Sox Party. And he says the Rays are 32 and 35 in their last 67 games. My hot take is they are not a lock to make the playoffs. And it's interesting because, yeah, their their rotation is pretty. Is pretty, pretty decimated. Um, you know, they lost Jeffrey Springs like five minutes after they, uh, inked that extension. Um, has McClanahan come back? I feel like he just did recently. I'm pulling up the depth chart right now. So just bear with me. Here it is. Uh, yes, McClanahan is back and how is Tyler Glass now doing? 362, yeah. So, their uh, they their rotation looks pretty good, uh, you know on on paper right now. They're still missing uh, Drew Rasmussen and, like I said, Jeffrey Springs. But uh, they've got Glass now. They've got Eflin. They've got that Taj Bradley kid, uh, who is uh, one of their top three prospects, and he's uh, kind of struggling right now, but. But Baltimore has the division right now. Baltimore's in first place. I think they are one of the more intriguing teams uh, at the deadline. There's been some Otani whispers, uh, you know, throughout the social media circles. And, you know, some of the writers have touched on it. Perhaps they could be a dark horse to get him. But, man, I've said it before, whether the Red Sox get in or not, this Orioles team is going to be so much fun to watch uh, this October to see what they can do, and the Rays got to get it together. They have to. They got to turn it around. Uh, they, I, they were off to what seemed like an insurmountable lead. Uh, I, it looked like they were running away and hiding, uh, you know, in April and May, but unbelievably uh, have slipped and. We'll see. I I will say though, I I think they still get in uh, when all is said and done. Cody,
1: it's it's hard for me to say that the Tampa Bay Rays aren't going to make the postseason, right? You know, if you look at the landscape of the MLB recently, they're one of the few teams that is a. Uh, I guess, a product of consistency, right? There's a lot of turnover in MLB. There's a lot of variance, you know, season over season. You look at the Mets from last year to this year, with really the only main difference being, you know, Edwin Diaz isn't on the team. Um, you know, they started off too well. They kind of show – or, sorry, they started off so well, they kind of showed what that upper level, that upper echelon could be. They got Glass now back. McClanahan is is pitching again. You know, they are going to get healthy, Right. Um, there are ebbs and flows to a 162-game season. It's, you know, yes, 32 and 37 over the last, what was it, 60, uh-huh, 69 games, I believe, um, isn't ideal. But, hey, you'd rather get those out now. Um, I think this team is, I don't want to say too complete, uh, but... You know there are certain metrics that are above my pay grade that make it seem like they are far more complete than it does to to meet the eye. For me to say that they will not make the postseason,
0: I just don't see how they're not going to make it. I mean, you look at some of the other teams here; uh, there, it would be a monumental collapse if that were to be the case. The Rays are going to be in there. The Orioles are going to be in there. The Rangers are going to be in there. And unfortunately, there's going to be a team from the AL Central that somehow is their way into the playoffs. I personally think that if your team, if you are a team that is not at least at 500, you are ineligible to go to the playoffs. And that position in that playoff spot should go to another wildcard team because I think it's complete BS that you have teams that are six, seven games over 500 that aren't going to be eligible to go to the playoffs but you have some pissant team in the AL central that's going to be able to make it just because they're the division leader. It's, it's an absolute joke, but I, I, it's an interesting take, but I I don't buy it. I, 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 they're a lock to make the playoffs that that team finds gold out of nothing. And they always figure out a way to make something look good. Anything else we want to add on that one, Terry?
2: You could just make the scrap, the divisions and just bring it back to conferences and, simply the best six records get in uh, would be the way to solve that. Right.
0: It'd be nice. It would resolve at least that problem or split up into two divisions, like a, a, you know, a North South for like a North AL South AL and, and vice versa for, you know, the, the, the national league, because the fact that the, the first 10 teams in the American league East and the American league central are in numerical order as far as best to worst is just absolutely insane. So it's, It's kind of a broken thing, even with the the balanced playoff or the balanced schedule that they uh, implemented this year. It still doesn't seem to fix everything. And there are some teams that are going to have blown up records, like you're seeing with the Orioles and the the Rays. And granted, I'm not going to take anything away from them because their teams have been absolutely insane. And I feel like the Orioles are bringing up a new rookie every six minutes, and we'll see what happens with them. But again, Tampa Bay, I I think there's still a lock to make it. Uh, Cody, what's
1: your first hot take? Sorry, just pulling it up here. Um, my first hot take comes by the way of 3D historian (parentheses) Allen. Uh, thank you for for submitting this one. Story will come back and be an offensive black hole. Boy, that's a that's a spicy take for me. Um, I just you look at the history of this guy's career right he's always been able to hit the ball now yes was he aided by the uh the thin air of colorado sure but even when he was here in boston he was able to mash you know that month i think it was may of last year was remarkable the amount of home runs that he was hitting the amount of doubles the amount of extra base hits was um just simply tremendous and there is too much history there is too much you know past data for me to just say You know, this elbow injury, he's just lost his ability to hit. You know, his first game back, worked a walk out of an 0-2 count, hit a hanging curveball out. Um, You know, he's looked good defensively. Yes, you know, he went over four with four strikeouts in the second game, Golden Sombrero. But um, if anything, I would have expected those games to be flipped, right? Uh, But for me, it's just – It seems unfathomable, you know, knock on wood, of course, that this guy would go from the offensive uh, juggernaut that he was to uh, a black hole at this point.
2: So the Adam Duvall return uh, was pretty anticlimactic, and he still isn't showing you the glimpse of what he showed you before the injury with those nine games Mm -hmm. like four or five bombs. I think it was 14 runs uh, driven in uh, in nine games. And so his return wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And Trevor's stories might not be either. Um, It's really good to have Yu Chang out there from a, a defensive standpoint and not have all those errors we were getting from Kike. And I think you know, with Story back, having him and presumably Chang as your middle infield, now you're back to elite uh, in terms of defense. So he'll be a welcomed addition in that regard. But I'm still being a guy that wanted Trevor Story so bad. I can't wait for him to have that normal spring training, normal start to a season to see what he can really do because he was signed so late last year and then he got sick um, at the start of the season and missed like a week or so due to it. And it, he never really got into a rhythm last year. So be interesting to, to see what he does. but I, I think I think the strikeouts will be a problem for a while with him. Um, my solution has always been to put him in front of Raffy Devers in the lineup because they would have to pitch to story at that point. So I think that's one way of possibly, uh, alleviating some of those strikeouts, but we'll see how he slots in. My expectations aren't too high, uh, much like the, uh, follower that gave the hot take, but, uh, we'll see. So,
0: I really don't want to hear anybody thinking that he's going to be a black hole, hot take, or otherwise. If that ends up being the case, that's just going to be another nail into what has been a very dramatic 2023 campaign for the Boston Red Sox with players having arm injuries, the freak accent with Tanner Howe getting hit in the face with a ball, a lot of other players that we thought were going to do something that haven't really performed. You have the Kike issue with him just almost turning to Chuck Knoblock, just not being able to field properly at short. I think he has 15 or 16 errors now in the year at that position, which is absolutely insane. Um, God, an offensive black hole. That would just be devastating. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know... Teams get to a point where they've got to make a decision. Are we, you know, are we going to do something to boost this team? Or are we going to sell off pieces? Story's not a player that you can move in, even if you, if you, even if you wanted to. There's so much money that's still owed to him, and he hasn't really showed that he's worth that contract. I hope that he can come back and be a semblance of what he was a couple years ago, because good Lord, if, if we see a, a poor 2023 campaign from story, we've basically got nothing. We've basically got nothing from story. And, that, and that's really going to be tough. Um, I think another tough pill to swallow, considering the amount of money that we uh, already have invested in him. Anything else you guys want to add?
1: I will say, yes, it is a heavy contract, but as you know, the CBAs continue to change and as these contracts continue to balloon, by the end of that deal, it's not going to look as bad as it did or as, as large as it did when we did sign him.
0: Yeah. Uh, Terry, anything else you want to add?
2: Uh, not really.
0: Cool. All right. So my first hot take here we have is from Benny Biceps' Kime Cook's Seasoned Baby at Giolito to Boston, the Red Sox will acquire Tommy Edmond at the deadline. Uh, Giolito to Boston, thank you for taking the time to write your hot take. I don't see how Tommy Edmond is going to come to Boston, really. And the reason for that being is we already have a Swiss Army knife guy who can play multiple positions. We have a, a couple of players that can do that. But I don't see Tommy Edmond being an addition. While Kike has been struggling and whatnot, I still would rather take Kike over someone else. Tommy Edmonds also injured. He has two years of arbitration eligibility left this month. He's been okay. He's had six hit this month. He's six for 20. He's hitting 300 last month. Hit 175. And outside of that game against San Francisco, where he had a home run and four RBI's, he only had a couple RBI's for the whole month. So you're not really screaming. Yeah, you need to get him. And the amount of, (laughs) <laughs> I think the package you'd have to present to try to get Edmund wouldn't really be worth it. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, we're not going to get Edmund.
1: This isn't happening. Uh, Cody, if you want to weigh in. Yeah. You know, in other sports, the idea of playing a positionless sport, sports say in basketball is rather advantageous, right? You can go big, you can go small, you can get to have guys, you know, play spots one through five and create mismatches on defense And there is something to be said about having a Swiss Army knife. You know, Brock Holt played that role quite well. Kike did that role well. Um, You know, Arroyo has done it well in Spurs when he's on on the field. But baseball, in my opinion, and, you know, heck, I could be wrong about the trend of the future, but it doesn't really seem like a sport that's going to be made a positionless sport, right? and acquiring a lot of players like this while you know is is good on face value i don't think is going to be good for the long term you know we see this a lot with our bullpen um over the years past when the roles aren't clearly defined the guys struggled to figure out what their routine was to figure out you know who was going to take what opportunities who's we going to take what innings, and for lack of better terms who was going to take what role um it's going to be very difficult to, to pry a guy like Edmund away from St. Louis, even though the owner has openly admitted that it could be a fire sale. Um, Charlie, you know, you touched on a lot of good points there with, you know, the amount of control left. He's a young player. Uh, it just seems like if you're trying to get rid of salary cap, you trying to get rid of, of, you know, big name players, this isn't one of the guys you want to send out of the door. This is one of the guys that you want to, to build around. Terry.
2: I, I don't see why it really makes a ton of sense to, to give up prospects for a guy like that. I mean, we've got two bullpen games every time through the rotation here. Uh, you know, Cutter Crawford hasn't looked good as of late. If you're going to do anything, go get a controllable starter. Someone who is at least controllable beyond 2023. That's the only person I want to give up somewhat significant prospects for. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And you could have Marcelo Meyer up next year in your infield in the second half with Trevor story. So I I don't, your outfield is set as well for the most part. So I just don't see a fit for him. And I just don't think the trade makes a ton of sense. Anything else we want to add
0: moving right along? Uh, Terry, why don't you just do with your second hot take?
2: I was going to do one of my own, but I'm just too much in love with this one to pass it up. Uh, it comes from Marty McFly on Twitter. <laughs> It's hilarious that this even popped into his brain at this point. All the problems we're having now, this is uh, this is what popped into his brain. Steven Drew wasn't worth the 14.1 million qualifying offer he declined in 2013. Probably not that much of a hot take though. You're right. It's not, and uh, Stephen Drew frustratingly uh, did not contribute much offensively to that 2013 team that ultimately won uh, the World Series. John Farrell stuck with him because Farrell was always more partial uh, to the veterans on his staff than he was the younger kids. And um, you know, so many people wanted Bogarts to get a shot, even though it was in the postseason and the stakes were high. But Stephen Drew, you know, one of the better uh, middle infielders of that decade uh, as far as defense goes. And, um, you know, I mean, (laughs) we could use a Stephen Drew type glove right now if we're being completely honest. But, yeah. And so what ended up happening with uh, Stephen Drew was I think it was the Yankees that actually gave him uh, the qualifying offer. And... They were at Fenway playing the Red Sox, and they actually made a deal. The Red Sox and the Yankees made a deal, and Stephen Drew simply walked from one clubhouse over to the other. And uh, you know, we saw that with uh, you know Adam Um uh, That was in the off season though, so I guess a little bit different. So the Red Sox were only paying you know a prorated part of that qualifying offer, but. Stephen Drew, definitely one of the more interesting, um, you know, parts of Red Sox history. And let me add on to that as well. Other than twenty eighteen, we didn't really have a, a, you know, a robust offensive, you know, player in in a playoff run. You had, uh, wasn't it Orlando Cabrera? That's who we ended up. Putting uh, at shortstop in place of Nomar once we traded him. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Okay. So Cabrera in uh, 2004. Then you had Julio Lugo in 2007. Steven Drew 2013. And uh, finally, you get to 2018. You have Xander Bogarts. You know, at short, who was obviously, you know, probably second to Nomar. Uh, you know, in the last few decades but um, but Xander also a, a no-show anyway when it came to the playoffs
0: yeah the, the first time I ever remember a trade happening where a player left one team and went to the other team in the same series was that trade where we you know essentially trade away our our superstar shortstop Nomar Garcia Para and Doug Cabbage came over literally in the Minnesota, Minnesota series he left Minnesota and literally walked the visitors clubhouse and was just like wow so this is what it looks like and he played his first game against his former team when we got orlando cabrera Doug Cabbage and dave roberts uh terry and then cody right after
2: we forgot the most recent example actually uh christian vasquez oh cody was about to say it okay oh
0: yeah that's right yeah, yeah. of course the fir- well i said the first time my defense i said the first time i remember that happening oh, okay
2: yes. and with vasquez he was told and then he was he was very intent on still taking batting practice, even though he was in his Red Sox uniform. <laughs> and, uh, right. and then he was ushered away. And I still, even though it was only a year ago, not that long ago, I still remember the shock on his face during his uh, fieldside interview. And you could see him kind of looking around the park, kind of trying to take it in. You know, this was his new home. And he got a ring out of it. So it, it worked out.
1: Uh, speaking of Doug Mankiewicz, um if I'm not mistaken, that was the that was Wake's catcher, right? Or
0: Doug Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz was uh was first the baseman. first baseman that uh, did not give the ball. He kept the ball from the World Series. Yeah, he he kept that ball. He took that with him. That that was him. He was like a defensive marvel. He had like one really, really good offensive year, but for the most part, wasn't an offensive guy. He was really there for defense.
2: Who was Who's the, the catcher I'm thinking about? Yeah, I because I I had the same brain fart. He had the for, he had the police escort. Remember that? I was Doug, just gonna I bring Doug, up Doug that story. belly? Oh, Mirabelli! Mirabelli. Yeah, you. there we go. Yeah, yeah okay. Doug Mirabelli, <laughs> Italian guy and a Polish guy. We got them mixed up.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're talking about Doug Mirabelli. He he had a couple of of cups of coffee with Boston. He he uh, he left, came back, left, came back, and he was always fun. But yeah, that's that's Doug Mirabelli.
2: Su- super random here. That play because you know Minkiewicz kept the ball and it was tossed to him by Keith Folk on that comebacker, right? To, right. To end the series. If I'm Keith Folk. I'm running I'm running over to tag the runner. Like I don't trust the ball coming out of my hand. And right. maybe he was just so much more solid, you know, like he was stronger than the curse. But yeah. I, I'd go over I'd probably tag the 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 runner. I forget who it even was at that point. <laughs> Edgar Renteria. Oh, it was Renteria, right. Edgar
0: Renteria hit it back to Fulk, and Fulk underhanded to McCabe, who caught the ball, put it in his pocket, and then started jumping up.
2: And Renteria, I think, was a World Series MVP with the Giants in one of those Super uh, Super Bowls, uh, World Series. Come yeah, on. but
0: a- a- Edgar Renteria joined the Red Sox as soon as the World Series is over, right? Yeah. Didn't he join the Red Sox in 05?
2: I think he did, yeah. Yeah. But I would have, I would have tagged uh, Renteria, and then I would have given him a hug, you know, for being the guy who essentially ended the curse. <laughs> You're on mute, Charlie. There yeah, you
0: go. my me, unmute was not working. Yeah, Renteria was only in Boston for one year, and he had an okay year, but wasn't Renteria's issue the fielding? Didn't he commit, like, a stupid amount of errors when he was in Boston? Like 31 or something? He just he couldn't feel the position at short. And then that's why after one year he was gone.
2: It was probably only a one-year deal, I assume. I no, he got traded. No
1: have,
0: oh, he got, sorry. I thought he got traded.
2: I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, 2000... he signed
0: like a, 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 I thought it was like a three or four year deal. And then he got traded from the Red Sox to the,
2: the Braves, I guess. Yeah. It if... was the
0: Braves or the Giants. I think Braves first and then giants, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah, definitely yeah. the Braves. So that okay. had to have happened during the winter though.
0: Right. Because he was only there for one year because they, they couldn't stand the fact that he could not figure out how to field the position. It was, it was beyond frustrating.
2: So in 2010, that was the season. He was the World Series MVP. He was 33 years old uh, at that World Series. Hit 412 with a 444 on base. Uh, No home runs, though. Oh, I lied. Two home runs. There you go. Not bad
0: for someone who literally probably only had like three or four during the regular season. How many home runs did he have during the regular year?
2: Oh, let's look. That, see that was a great hot take. Look uh look where we went with it. I know. I uh, love it. So, yes, 3.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three. That's the thing. It was just he was never a home run hitter. Like when he when he played for us, he had uh it was under uh 9 home runs, 8 home runs and like 65-70 RBIs. Like he he wasn't um he wasn't a home run guy. He he just was not that guy because a couple years before that It was the first time I'd ever seen someone with like 10 or 11 home runs and 100 RBIs. And he did that when he was a member of the Cardinals. And everyone thought, holy crap, this guy's insane. And um, he could steal bases. He knocked people in, probably had like 200 hits. Like I'm not looking at his numbers, but like he was exciting. When he left uh, St. Louis to come to Boston, it was like, oh my God, if you can't beat him, join him. And then he ended up leaving after one year.
2: He just looking at his stats here, he never really was a big strikeout guy, Um, had exactly 100 strikeouts with the Red Sox, only exceeded that number one other time. And it was in his age 20 season in in 1997. Wow. So he was on the he was on that Marlins team. So he's got two rings. Uh, But yeah, nice. Good for him. Right on. Cool. Uh, let's
0: move right on to our next hot take. Uh, Cody.
1: My hot take. Uh, I didn't find any gems that I was particularly tied to, uh, like Terry for the, for my second one. So this is something that we kind of kicked around, um, a little bit. I don't think it's as big of a deal that Heimblom hasn't declared if he's a buyer or a seller at this point. Um, And I think that, you know, Red Sox, Twitter, maybe the media has kind of blown it out of proportion, in my personal opinion. Uh, These negotiations are all about leverage. And if you publicly declare what your position is going to be, you lose that leverage going into those discussions. You know, I'm sure if it's a vote of confidence thing for the team, he's going to have those conversations with them behind closed doors. Right. There's no way where the team's like, well, he hasn't talked to us about it in public. Uh, you must not believe in us guys. It's time to tank. You know, um, I think we've heard in player interviews, they say, Hey, we've got everything we need in this clubhouse to make a run. You know, we believe in the guys that are in this room right now that what we have is enough to, to get where we need to go. And, you know, uh, bloom. If he wants to be the, the savvy guy if you know, people don't think that he's the smartest dude whatever you think, I think basic negotiation one-on-one is not tipping your hand and by not declaring one way or the other, I think he's setting himself up uh, to, to be in better standing for these negotiations and for these deals.
2: Well, let me ask you a question, Cody. We kind of covered this on the midweek, but Cotillo had an article saying that Bloom could kind of sell, but made the case we could still make the playoffs. But, are you okay if he sells off like a Justin Turner and a Chris Martin? Like, is it, are you okay with that?
1: You know, it's hard to say if I'm okay with just selling those players without looking at what comes back, right? You know, if it does give us that third or fourth uh, line starter uh, for the starting rotation with some years of control that I think, Terry, you and I have talked about on, on this program, um, you know, certainly that makes it seem a lot more digestible, right? But, you know, if we give up, say, all of these players for, you know, and we're just going to toss a hot-button topic out there, Shohei, right, knowing that he's probably not going to sign on the East Coast again, so it's a six-month, and not even a six-month, a three-month rental, that definitely doesn't seem like a good deal for, for me, uh, you know, from my opinion of where this team is, right? Are we contenders for a World Series? Probably not this year. Is 2024 looking better? Sure. But you know, that's a whole different discussion. So, you know, if you're going to be able to get controllable players for the long term, I'm more okay getting rid of guys that have been beyond solid, exceeding expectations for this year, if it does set us up for the future. But if we're if we're getting rid of, you know, these high-line players that have performed well for us for guys that aren't going to stick around, then I'm like, we are doing what we did last year which is a half sell half half buy sitting on a fence post going nowhere and that would be the most frustrating outcome for me
2: see i i think like if you're going to deal a guy like turner martin you're probably only getting prospects because you know teams are trying to strengthen their their major league roster for that playoff run They're, you know and giving your a middle of the rotation guy up i just think would would hurt them it would just be kind of counterproductive it just frustrates me that we could be sellers we should not be sellers in the fourth year of bloom's tenure like the, the no way under the sun is that acceptable to me uh, you know eventually we you know we need to try to win and You go back to 2018, we we felt like we could win it right out of the gates. I mean, we made some big moves. Dombrowski did. Uh, So no shock there. 2013, we didn't expect to win it, but we were solid in every area to start the season. There were no, like, huge question marks, you know, maybe you know a lot of people weren't thrilled with the Victorino signing at the time it happened they thought he might be washed and maybe Johnny gomes wasn't that sexy um you know so many people had concerns over whether Napoli could be an effective first baseman or not but th- that was it and 07 I mean I don't know if we thought we were going to win the championship but it, it on paper it was a team that could uh you know Beckett needed to be the ace again and and he certainly was um so i i just i miss those days i miss those days where we're really putting our best foot forward and and putting proven guys you know into into key spots on the roster we just haven't done that yet we haven't seen that yet from heim bloom
0: There's no such thing as a situation where you're going to try to be competitive for real and then be both a buyer and a seller. It doesn't make sense. You're either one or you're the other. If you started selling any pieces whatsoever, you're not serious about the playoffs. The Boston Red Sox haven't been a real contender in over five years. Like, let's just be, let's be serious. 2018, we got in there. 2019, you slowly started seeing the wheels fall off. I don't even care about the fact that we made the playoffs, we were... You know, up two games to one against Houston because we got absolutely slapped by that team. Trash cans or not, we have not really been relevant for for four and a half years. And um, if you sell off Martin or Turner, forget about talking about a return that you're going to get back. I mean, first off, if you're selling Turner and selling Turner and Market Show, not that. That's that's not a part of the picture. Um, if you're selling any of those players that just joined this year you're not serious about the team. You're not serious about the playoffs. And truth be told, I don't know why we're going to be buyers at this deadline anyways. You have the Baltimore Orioles and Tampa Bay Rays, both teams in your division that are smashing everyone, and they have no glaring holes. If they need a piece, they'll add it, and they won't have to sacrifice too much to get it. Oh, we're losing our, like, fifth and eighth pick or fifth and eighth prospect to get someone. If we lose our fifth and eighth prospect... First off, that's not even worth anything to some teams. They're just going to say, you know, that's your fifth or eighth is like our 10th. So it's really not that much. Baltimore, Tampa Bay have depth. They're going to be able to go out and do that. You also have to deal with the likes of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Braves. Who knows about what the Cincinnati Reds could do? Maybe they add a couple pieces too. This just isn't our year. You have to look in the mirror and say, okay, is this really a a time where I want to go all in? I can't do it, not with the amount of injuries we also have happening to the team. You have two bullpen games
1: every five games. It, it's just not adding up. Cody? A thing to look at in the MLB landscape, um, you look at that 7 team, you look at that 13 team, look at that 18 team. You see the teams that the Dodgers have put together, the teams that the Astros have put together, the teams that the Braves have put together. What's a common thread amongst all of those? Homegrown talent. Right. There has been a lack of homegrown talent in the Red Sox organization for longer than just those four years. Right. I mean, we had Bogart, sure. And we had Betts. Um, Bayo is just now making inroads. Duran, Cassis are just now contributing. Right. We went however many years without any new blood in the organization contributing. Right. So it is it is difficult to build the team that can contend year over year strictly within the free agent market or through trades Uh, that is a one-dimensional way to build a team and that has just proven not to be successful i mean new york hasn't won a a championship since 09 and had they not gotten 09 it would have been even longer and they are the the ultimate what's a farm system we're just going to go out and buy the biggest you know talent because we're the new york yankees right that that model has proven to no longer be effective and so you know Yes, Charlie, you're right. If you sell Martin and if you sell Turner and you sell some of these other guys that just came in the door, it absolutely proves that we're not contending this year. And I don't think we should, right? I don't think that this team is in any position to say, hey, this is our year to go get the World Series. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that that's what we're trying to do, but I'm also saying that there are flaws that this team has been trying to come back from that make it a little bit different and not as black and white as that, that question may
2: seem. So, uh, so I've never been a big trade your prospects guy, your highest end ones.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, Nick York to me, he might be tradable to some people, but he's not to me. Neither is Blaze Jordan. Uh, obviously, Meyer isn't. Blyce isn't. But the, the common theme in the Bloom era is no pitching. We just don't have it. You know, at the major league level, we don't really have it in the minors maybe you got that bestardo kid and that luis pereles kid but they're they're in a ball right now and they've got they've got a long ways to go and who's to say that they don't get all the way to the major league level and oh guess what they're a reliever they're a bulk guy Uh so i just that's what frustrates me you have to invest in pitching I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about, you know, the position players we have and I wouldn't deal them. I'll, I would never go out there and, and say, you know, we need to do it, you know, two games out of the wild card. That, that's never been who I am, but we need to be smarter. And I'm not saying spend like the Yankees and the Dodgers, but you can spend more money. You can make bigger investments in that starting rotation to make us a perennial contender. I'm just, sick I'm not of,
1: disagreeing with that. Oh, sorry. Sorry.
2: I'm just saying I'm, I'm sick of not contending and I don't have a ton of confidence. If bloom keeps his job and it looks to be about 50, 50 right now, uh, at least, you know, from my point of view, um, you know, he's, he has to, he has to invest in, in it next year. And, and, One thing to watch for, if he's allowed to go full scale fire sale, you know, sell off Turner, Duvall, Martin, Jansen, um, you know, all the one or two year guys that we currently have, that might mean ownership has decided to move on from him and he's just going to handle business at the deadline, just like Sherrington did, just like Dombrowski did and then be let go. Because they, if Bloom had it his way last year, Ivaldi would have been traded. Uh, Waka would have been traded. If Bogarts would have agreed to a trade, because he essentially had 10-5 rights, he could have vetoed the trade, in other words. He would have been traded, too. Same as J.D. Martinez. I think winning was a mandate last year from ownership, and that's why those guys stayed. If, if suddenly he's given free reign to to ship those guys off this year. I think they've already made up their mind. And some people, like the Bluminati, love to cop out and say, well, we're kind of still in a rebuild, and so it's okay. Sam Kennedy told Ken Rosenthal uh, just before the season started that the Boston Red Sox were going to win the 2023 World Series. Sam Kennedy said that to Ken Rosenthal. So that must have been the vibe in the front office. And he's buddy buddy with Haim. They're they're you know always you know talking each other up you know throughout the media. So one thing to watch for. But we're what six games above five hundred right now. We've got two tough games against Atlanta, and then we got a tough West Coast swing. And the Giants have lost four or five in a row. So perhaps we're catching them at the right time. And, uh, the Mariners have been sputtering all season long. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what that brings, but, but I'm just, like I said, (laughs) I'm just, I'm sick of, I'm sick of being sellers in July. And let me throw one more thing out there for Charlie gives his take, or if he weighs in again, the worst thing to happen to us was that deep run in 2021 that flukish run that gave Bloom all of this validation that he could build a half ass roster and still do something like that. If we lost like we were supposed to to the Rays, or perhaps if we just missed it, because we barely squeaked in, um, you know, if we had an early exit or miss, I guarantee you we're having much different conversations right now in 2023. And this roster looks a little bit different and the mindset's a lot different.
0: I, you know, I was talking about that earlier, like we haven't been relevant four and a half years, since five years. And that 2021 you just talked about, it's a fluke year. I mean, we have no business being there with absolutely none. And it offered to your point, it offered the Bluminati and the supporters of this guy. It, it bought him leash. It bought him time because we had no business to be there. We just we did not. And Kennedy can say whatever he wants about 2023, the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. 2024, we're going to win the World Series. Whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You're not really showing us that you're that serious about it. We've really not gone after any, like, insane arms. You really have to acknowledge the fact that if you don't have starting pitching, you don't win playoff baseball. It, it doesn't happen. You can't have a bullpen game in the playoffs. It's not gonna. The only team that could get away with that is Atlanta. That's really the only team, and the only reason why they'd be able to get away with that is because they have seven or eight guys in the lineup that can all bang, like they can all hit bombs. It's just we have two or three guys. That's it. The other guys may get on base, they may not, or they may get into really dumb, bad, unlucky streaks, like Alex Verdugo is right now, like Jaron Duran has done, like Tristan Casas has done. We're, we're just not there, and I think if we try to tell ourselves that we should be buying at the deadline, we're just going to further postpone the inevitable, which is the fact that, one, we're not going to the playoffs, two, we're not going to win the World Series, and three, we're going to hurt ourselves and hurt our chances of getting a proper pick in the future for next year's draft. So I just I think we just have to acknowledge the fact that 2023, based on what teams have done so far, is not going to be our year. Done.
2: That's it. And other teams yeah. in our division are going to make big moves to make themselves better as well. So,
0: yeah, and we're not going to be able to overdo that, plus, make up the difference of the games that we've already lost. It's just not going to happen. Um, my last hot take is from Wicked Bitter at Wicked Bitter. Uh, Bogarts would have been having a better year if he was still with the Sox. Thank you, Wicked Bitter. Absolutely not. Xander Bogarts wanted to be done with Boston. He can say whatever he wanted, but truth be told, The Boston Red Sox, I think were done with Xander and Xander was done with Boston. Xander had agreed to a deal with the Red Sox and then started complaining about said deal because he wasn't getting paid enough or he wasn't he wasn't getting enough. Xander Bogarts was getting these ridiculous days off during the regular season last year. And Terry, I think you and I also uh, were talking about this, too. He get the day off, you know, before a day off or he wouldn't play the game right after a day off. Like it was just. I was done. I'm, I was over it. And I don't think Xander Bogarts would have been having any fun in Boston knowing Mookie Betts was gone. There was still the huge contract dispute or the uh, we're not sure if we're going to resign him. We're not sure if we're going to get Rafael Devers. Bogarts, he didn't really share that he wanted to be a lifer in Boston, as evidenced by the fact that he there was consistent talk of opting out. There was consistent talk of not being paid enough. He's not the best paid player uh, he's not the best player at his position and he's been overpaid by a team that in less than two years will probably be irrelevant because they have a absolute albatross contract for a player. That's just, he's just not worth it. You, you overpaid for a player that's going to hit maybe 15 to 20 home runs and 75 RBIs might get 300. And in five years, four years will probably be a full-time DH. So, I'm completely cool with Xander Bogarts not being a member of the Boston Red Sox. I will leave it there. Cody, I'll hand it to you, sir.
1: I think it's becoming increasingly uh, apparent how much the green monster uh, aided the doubles number for Xander Bogarts. Um, And so, you know, would, would the box scores look better if he was in Boston? Sure. But would the play on the field look better? Probably not. I mean, this is a guy that has been, excuse me, oft injured and played through it and and suffered because of it. Right. Um, you know, we, we see that frequently with him. He was a proverbial captain of our team. You know, thank you for your, your time here. Loved you as, as a member of the Red Sox, but you know, Charlie, I think you, you put it perfectly. Both sides were kind of like, Hey, this just isn't going to work out. Let's go our separate ways. Was it a little bit messier than it needed to be? Sure. But you know, San Diego offered him a, a great contract, happy for him to get the money. Um, very, very happy as well that we didn't offer him the same contract. But, um, you know, who's to say, right? You'll have the comfort level of being in Boston. You'll have the comfort level of being around an organization that has kind of brought you up through through every level of professional baseball. But sometimes grass is always or some grass, new, sometimes new grass is greener grass. Excuse me and maybe he just needs a little bit more time to to kind of figure it out. But I think he is kind of who he is, and he's going to be that kind of for the rest of his career until it really falls off. I think, Charlie, you wanted to say yeah. something else? Yeah,
0: real quick. So last year, 150 games, had a slash, 1573 with a 307 batting average. Uh, this year, he's hit 263. He's got 11 homers and 36 RBIs in 94 games. He's got 17 doubles. I don't think he's going to hit even 35 doubles this year. I'll be shocked if he hits 15, 16 home runs. I don't think he's going to even hit 60, 65 RBIs. I mean, this was an absolute bust year for him in San Diego. Uh, a lot of things seem to be going wrong in that team. I don't feel completely bad because I think their GM is a piece of garbage. Uh, Terry, please.
2: Maybe we're just witnessing the start of Xander's regression in his career. Maybe maybe his prime is is behind him. Go back. Let's just look at home runs at the moment. Go back to 2019. That was his best year. That was his age 26 season. 33 home runs. Not bad. I'm going to skip over 2020 because that was abbreviated. Uh, 2021, uh, only 23 home runs. So he's down 10. Uh, 2022, 15 home runs. And uh, this year, uh, only 11 so far. So he'll probably exceed what he did last year. But there's a slide there for sure. And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm not a Xander guy. I mean, over the winter, we heard about, you know, problems in the clubhouse. You know, they weren't treating Tristan Costas very well. And uh, Kike came out. I think it was Kike, anyway, uh, came out and said, you know, it was a team that was comfortable being in last place. And Xander's a big part of that. And now that he's gone, I I don't miss the fact that Xander was a no-show in the postseason. I mean, you were relying on guys like Steve Pierce to have these unbelievable, you know, series. And I just. I thought he lacked toughness, and you know, so I, I I don't I don't miss him, and I I don't I don't believe he would be uh, necessarily better, uh, you know, in Boston. So
0: he was. I
2: mean, he was so
0: fragile-minded. It, it was insane. Like he needed so much time away, and no one is going to benefit more than. Than a player that is just really unhappy with their current club. If you feel that you're not being valued by your your current club, that's your family. You don't feel valued. And if that's the if that's the case, yeah, good riddance. You're not happy here. We're not happy with you here either. You're not performing. So yeah, you're fragile minded. And he basically needed to go to a team that wasn't as big a market with as much going on. And that's okay. San Diego's never gonna win a World Series. There, I said it. He went to a team. He chased the money. He didn't care about the, the titles. And yeah, if, if people want to go over and, and look at his postseason batting, go ahead, marvel at it. You really want to smile and have a good time. Check out 2017 and 2021. 2017, the LDS, guy went one for 17, hit 059. 2021 in the ALCS, five hits, 26 at-bats, hit 192. I'm sorry. If you're a leader, you got to hit more than 250. You got to hit more than 200. You got to do something. So I'm good with him not being here anymore. Good riddance. Enjoy your time in San Diego. You will win as many games Mike Trout will win in LA if he stays an angel. At least playoff related. Anything else you just want to add? Right now. Uh, Perfect. All right. Uh, That is going to wrap it up for all of us here tonight. Uh, We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.